Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation on USA Radio Networks and in sundry of other outlets across the country. I'm JT along with my co-host Hall of Famer with Leanne Whippin. Dave and Chris are running around uh, scurrilously in the background somewhere from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, um, every couple of years, our next guest shows up either in person here in the Portland area or via some other telecommunicative process. Stephen Reichlin has uh, agreed to be with us today, and um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Stephen. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to you, too. And yeah. as you know, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, Reed College is my alma mater, so it's uh, always nice to have a chance to reconnect with Portland. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I will say this. Um, Stephen is always very kind in my, a lot of you probably don't know this and we'll get on to the show in a second, but I do a lot of charity endeavors, helping veterans and, and uh, raising money for scholarships for kids with golf tournaments. And Stephen and his crew are always very kind to send things my way that we can use in the auction. So I wanted to thank you personally for that this, this time. So I want to start off with something that I think is kind of fun, actually. Uh, when was this about the middle of October or somewhere around there? I, I subscribe to your, um, newsletters and from barbecue Bible. Yep. Okay. Up in smoke. Mm -hmm. Up in smoke. And you sent out an email that I think probably had people going, what the heck? Uh, you talked about boiling ribs <laughs> and, um, I, I'll tell you, I actually, Look, or, you're, you're fumbling on your words. You're like, I am. You can't even it, say boiling ribs. <laughs> it's it's funny because I got so tickled about it. I sent it off to Meathead and I said, have you seen this? People's heads are going to explode if they don't you know, read the whole deal. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there and get your take on it, Stephen. I thought it was good. I, I, I know what it was about and all that. And I read the recipe and all that. And the. Uh, the different uh, what are they what is the word i'm looking for sambal sauce that type of thing but uh did first of all did people comment to you about that yeah the uh internet and social media fairly blew up with that uh <laughs> you know look we knew we were uh raking up some hot coals and controversy uh but you know i i guess i've always believed uh with cooking and actually pretty much with everything uh in life there is an exception to every rule sure and uh, this was a rack of ribs that I had in Bali, Indonesia, uh, about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was researching my book, Planet Barbecue. And, uh, you know, time and place, they were delicious. They had turned out to be shamelessly boiled and then served with an electrifying uh, Balinese barbecue sauce. So, you know, whether they were, were smoked or whether they were boiled, you almost couldn't tell. They were boiled first and then 
glaze with this thick syrupy molasses based sauce and uh and cooked over a super hot gas grill, gas grill fire and you know i mean the sugar burns they got all crusty and meaty and they mm. were fun so we thought we would just resurrect that recipe to just see if people were sleeping or really paying attention uh but it turns out we touch it, and uh, the place was called Nuri's Ribs, and Nuri was uh, an Indonesian, uh, a Balinese woman who had married a, an American tourist who uh, decided to settle in uh, Bali. Well, it turns out that they've expanded now, and they've got restaurants in like 10 cities around Southeast Asia. Wow. So, uh, you know, whatever she was doing was successful for her. Good for them. And, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's just a reminder that there are many ways to get to the same destination. Oh, certainly. I mean, it, you know, we've got um, uh, there's various opinions on this issue of boiling ribs and this and that. And uh, I know some of the hardcore barbecue guys here in Portland that, that I think they also subscribe to uh, your newsletter mm -hmm. and that. And they were like, oh, no, this he's sacrilege, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, it, it, you're right. It caused some very good discussion. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, we're talking. You know, we're talking about one recipe out of perhaps a thousand that I've right. done, and the other nine hundred ninety-nine have been either low and slow or fast and hot. But you know, always on the grill, never in, uh, never boil. Never boil. Okay. Well, now that we've cleared that up for everybody that listens, uh, first question I wanted to ask: Are you working on another book? Well, uh, I'm working uh, on several things. Uh, right now, I'm uh, fast and furious into the planning for the new TV show, which is also going to be called Planet Barbecue. And we start uh, taping that in January. So that's, you know, in TV time, that's like tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be taping in San Antonio. So that is the, that's, that's absorbing most of my time. Uh, also, next year is the 25th anniversary of Barbecue Bible, if you can believe it. The book that launched my career and, you know, I like mm. to think really launched kind of the American barbecue revolution. So we've got a lot of festivities planned for that. Uh, in terms of new books, got a couple of projects on the uh, back burner, but uh, not at liberty to talk about them. Oh, yeah, sure. I understand. But I can always count on you of having something in the works going down the road. Oh, yeah. You're uh, back to your, your TV show. It's going to be in Texas, of course, mm -hmm. you know, where barbecue is king. Uh oh. Yeah. Um, are you going to focus on Texas barbecue or is that just a location you're shooting? Well, the answer to that is both. Uh, we're in San Antonio. Uh, so uh, we'll be doing one show on San, San Antonio barbecue. We'll be doing one show on Texas barbecue. And I'm thinking actually that uh, maybe we'll do the lesser known barbecue of Texas. You know, everybody knows uh, about brisket and uh, and uh, beef bones, et cetera. So I think uh -huh. we're going to try and find some uh, uh, regional barbecue that's maybe perhaps a little less well known. Uh, we'll certainly do a show on the uh, Tex-Mex and Mexican influenced Tex-Mex fusion. But then we'll also use San Antonio as a launch pad to explore uh, other countries in uh, Latin America and even Spain. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so so we really it. want to make Planet Barbecue live up live up to its name. Uh, well, you could you could really hit on like uh places like New Jersey and uh really cover the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Jersey girl. I what can I say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's a little pro tip for you. I don't know how much time you spent down in Texas. I've spent an inordinate amount of time there. Um uh, fair amount. 
okay. Uh, if you go down southeast, like in Beaumont and that right there, there's uh, a number. Well, there was. Now, I haven't been back there for several years, but there was a number of converted gas stations that uh-huh. were turned into barbecue pits. And some of yep. the best barbecue I ever had. And theirs wasn't all brisket and ribs. I mean, they were they had barbecued venison, blah, 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 blah. You could go right down a protein list and do it. So anyway, I always found them very interesting because you drive by them and you did not know what they were unless somebody had in the car had been there before. So, well, you know, there's, there's the subject of a great uh, blog or uh, article, which is uh, the intimate connection between gas stations and, uh, and barbecue. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron Franklin, of course, got his start with a trailer uh, at a gas station. And uh, in Kansas City, uh, Joe's used to be yeah. Oklahoma. Joe's is uh, the best one of that chain is in an old gas station. So, yeah, worth investigating. Yeah, always, always. When um, when you go and you're planning like a new show, like we've just been talking about, is that a pretty much all on Stephen, or is the production crew work with you on that? And you say, here's my here's my laundry list of things I want to cover. And then they go through and they say, yep, we can do this, but we can't do this. I mean, we've all been through that, but I want to get your thoughts on how you work that. Well, in terms of the content, uh, that pretty much falls under me and my research team. Uh, But, you know, a a TV production, we have many different teams. Like there's obviously the camera team that uh, works on the lighting and the cameras. Uh, we have our culinary team, which includes the field chef that does all the swap outs and gets all the prep ready. We have our food styling team, you know, which gets all those beauty shots ready for us. Um, there are a lot of logistics involved. Uh, so it's actually a crew of about 20 people that will converge on San Antonio. Well, oh, excellent. That's that's a pretty good sized crew, actually. It is. It is. And then we work, you know, we work closely with uh, the local tourism board and the uh local uh, food editors to make sure that we're visiting the right places and interviewing the right chefs and pitmasters. Cool. Um, Stephen, of all the places you've been in the world, I mean, you were born overseas. I know you've been all over the North American and European continent and that, but is there one place that you say, that's my place. That's where I want to go. Yeah, sure is. Southeast Asia. I, um, Love the grilling of Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, uh, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia. Uh, For me, explosive flavors, high heat, uh, very uh, uh, modest proportions of high flavored proteins and then served with a lot of vegetables, a lot of salads, a lot of condiments, uh, super fiery, super flavorful. That's exactly how I like to eat. Oh, cool. That's good. Leanne, do you have a spot like that? Um, I don't travel overseas very often, but, uh, he was talking about Bali and, and I did have the best latte there and I get it with the explosive flavors. They really mm. use a lot of spices that you, you just don't go to the grocery store here and find on the shelf and people just don't experiment with them or use them as readily as they do there. And I feel like they have, uh, definitely a better flavor profile and their food yeah. is, it, I like fiery charred foods. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. Now, um, what's interesting, you know, just for your barbecue listeners, is that smoke is not really uh, much of a component in Southeast Asia. First of all, uh, most of the live fire cooking is grilling over a high heat very quick. 
very small grills, satay grills, maybe three inches across. You know, it's as wide as a satay is long. Um, so, you know, if you want smoky Texas style barbecue or Kansas City style barbecue, well, obviously that's something we do in the United States that mm-hmm. you can't find elsewhere. Right. We are going to take a break. We're going to be back with Stephen Reichlin on Barbecue Nation with Miss Leanne and myself right after this. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with uh, Hall of Famer Leanne Whippen, Hall of Famer Stephen Reichland. I'm the I'm, I'm the odd guy out here. Of course, I'm kind of an odd guy anyway. But um, I'll make up my own little Hall of Fame sign and put it in the back of the shot here, something like. That. Hey, well, you've got a director's chair there with your name. Yeah, on it, so, I do. Uh, I and do. A pretty awesome cowboy hat. So. <laughs> How have things since you started with Barbecue Bible? I mean, I don't want to go back to you working at the deli at Reed College, but since you <laughs> since you wrote Barbecue Bible and the 30 plus books you've written since then, <laughs> excuse me, how have things changed since you started to where we are now in the world of barbecue? Well, they have changed enormously and they have changed uh, in every imaginable arena. Um, speaking about Southeast Asian uh, cuisine and barbecue Bible, when I wrote barbecue Bible, ingredients like coconut milk, fish sauce, um, uh, sambal, uh, ingredients that are so much of a part of the way we cook today were simply not available. I mean, hell, even cilantro, I had to try and give a, uh, a substitution for it. Uh, so f- from the ingredients uh, p- uh, point of view, enormous change. From the equipment point of view, uh, you know, back when I wrote Barbecue Bible, it was Weber kettles, a big green egg, gas grills. Uh, but uh, there are so many amazing grills. I mean, the pellet grill, nobody nobody yeah. knew from pellet grills back then. Uh, wood-burning grills were virtually um, unavailable. I mean, of course, you could not control your grill with your iPhones because there were no <laughs> iPhones back then. Um uh, back then, and this is something that's a little makes me a little bit sad, but also happy. Uh, back then, barbecue was much more regional than it is now. If you wanted to eat pulled pork, you really had to go to the Carolinas or Georgia. If you wanted to eat great brisket, you really had to go to Texas. And now you can find amazing Texas-style uh, uh, brisket or Carolina pulled pork or Kansas City-style ribs in Every major city. I mean, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, New York has turned into a hotbed of mm-hmm. uh, barbecue excellence, Portland, Oregon. So uh, that is a very big change. Uh, the way people grill is a big change. Uh, when I started, grilling was kind of something you did on the weekend or for special occasion. Uh, now we do it every night of the week. Uh, it was something you dragged your grill out for uh, for that special occasion. Now people have outdoor kitchens. Um People back then, you know, usually had just one grill. I mean, now, you know, yes, people who are really into it have multiple grills, smokers. So, you know, we've kind of gone from black and white to color. 
Mm-hmm. How has how has your use of a grill, a smoker, whatever? I don't know. I'm sure you have all of them uh, in your compound there, but how have you changed your style and technique? Well, I think that keeps evolving depending on actually what book I'm writing on, uh, writing. So uh, when I wrote Barbecue Bible and Planet Barbecue, I was very focused on the international component. And every year I'd spend, you know, probably three to four months traveling. Um, I visited, you know, I visited over 70 countries in the process of doing my research. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I wrote Project Smoke, you know, that was my love song to smoke food so i delved deep not only into american barbecue but how fish was smoked in scandinavia for example um how uh the the pit pit cooking of morocco um uh smoke fished in the british uh british isles uh and also delicatessen because the funny thing about smoke is you know all barbecue is smoke but not all smoked foods are barbecue so that book kind of gave me a an opportunity to talk about pastrami and smoked meats. Uh, when I wrote uh, my most recent book, which is How to Grill Vegetables, you know, obviously that was a deep dive into the world of uh, of grilling vegetables. It was a book that sort of uh, arose out of necessity. My daughter turned uh, vegetarian. My wife is uh, quasi-vegetarian. So part of that was just self-defense. I bet does that make for some interesting discussions around the Reichland dinner table? Uh it makes for some interesting meals that don't have meat in them. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even dare uh know if I dare confess to your uh your listeners out there, but I actually grill and eat tofu and enjoy it. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well. David, did you hear that? That might be an edit there for you. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just kind of did do Yeah, that. give him that deal. Um, when you're cooking at home, do you ever just get a ribeye and put it on the grill with salt and pepper? All and the just, time. Just let all it go like that? Yeah, all the time. I, I'd say that uh, I do two kinds of grilling. So when I'm working on a new project, I'm grilling the recipes in the book or on the TV show, or I have a new venture, which I'll tell you about in a minute, called also called Planet Barbecue. It's a line of ready to heat and eat barbecue that you, you order by mail. So when I'm working on those projects, that's what we're eating at home. But when it's just my wife and I, yeah, very often it's, uh, you know, it's what's more, less likely to be a steak, more likely to be a beautiful piece of fish, sure. fish salt and pepper or you know, I, my, my Greek Island herb rub and, uh, and grilled simply. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's funny because I do barbecue nation and a cowboy cook and everybody thinks that's very meat centric cooking. I like pasta and I love Chinese food and I love mm-hmm. Thai food and I mm-hmm. kind of like you kind of like Leanne. And so when we're home, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but it's not a steak every night. You know, it's uh, usually something that I just really like because I do most of the cooking uh, here, obviously. So anyway, um, when you're developing uh, a recipe, Stephen. How long does that really work take to work that through for you? 
You know, it's it depends. Uh, I mean, you can hit it the first time. Uh, it can take a half a dozen times to get it right. Uh, I would say at this point, you know, having done this for uh, most of my adult life, I have a pretty good sense when I write a recipe what it's going to taste like. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Stephen Reichlin, and we're going to talk a little Thanksgiving because that's on the near horizon uh, right here on Barbecue Nation. We'll return in just a moment. Hey, everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation, and my friends down at Smoky Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now, Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink, and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well, they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida, and they bring you fire-grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner, and it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special, only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. And you can buy it online now. Just go to PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. And they have certain cuts that they have certain times of year that they can ship right out to you. And also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, uh, excellent quality and service and balance and cost for in your kitchen. That's Gunter Wilhelm Knives. We're talking with Stephen Reichland today. Okay, Stephen, Thanksgiving's coming up. What does Thanksgiving look like in the Reichland household? Extremely traditional. So always a turkey, uh, never uh, a turkey cooked the same way. And that's sort of, you know, getting back to the professional angle. But in the last five years, let's see, I have uh, brined and smoked my turkey. I have cooked it on a rotisserie. Uh, I have uh, indirect grilled it. think about the only thing I've never done is I've never spatchcock a turkey. I mean, to me, that mm. looks like you took Thanksgiving dinner and you ran over it with a bulldozer and <laughs> and with a steamroller. Yeah, you're not going to find me doing that. Uh, what about a fried turkey? Uh, I've done fried turkeys. You know, it's a little, that's a little out of my wheelhouse. Uh, uh-huh. And we don't eat a huge amount of fried food in the Reichland household, but it is certainly delicious. And when somebody else does it, um, <laughs> right in there grabbing the drumstick there you go speaking of that do you um leanne's gonna get tired of these stories but i buy extra drumsticks i have a market that's close to me that you can buy uh packages of you know two to three turkey drumsticks you can also buy huge packages of turkey giblets blah mm-hmm. blah blah like that um, my family's kind of a dark meat family. So I always buy a couple extra big drumsticks. And uh last couple of years I've just been smoking the turkeys and they turn out pretty well. Uh, but do that, do you have any uh little nuances like that? Like do you provide extra dark meat or do you uh you know 
use extra giblets and anything or not use them at all? I, you know, people are curious about these things. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a dark meat guy in a white meat household uh, when I get my family to eat meat at all. Uh, uh, what I like to do with uh, turkey drumsticks is actually, a, it's a recipe in uh, my book, uh, Project Smoke, and it's a turkey ham, and you actually cure a turkey drumstick like you would a ham and then smoke it. And it, you know, kind of looks like a miniature ham with the, sure. uh, with, uh-huh. with the bone in it. Uh, in terms of uh, the giblets, uh, we always make uh, turkey chopped liver. So chopped uh-huh. liver, my grandmother made it every night for uh, every Friday night for Sabbath dinner for, you know, yeah the first 18 years of my life. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, I smoke the egg. So it's a, a great chopped liver to me. It has a very, very high proportion of uh, hard boiled eggs. And I smoke the hard boiled eggs. Uh, turkey liver, sometimes I smoke, sometimes I'll just saute in a little of the turkey fat. And then finally, caramelized onions, those three ingredients in a food processor. And, you know, that, that is, that's pure nirvana. <laughs> well, if I ever come to visit you, you'll see me coming in with some eggs and some other stuff you under my arm so we can you do that. It. What about your side dishes on Thanksgiving? When you said traditional, I'm thinking mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, maybe a, some sort of sweet potato or yam dish, perhaps. Um, there may be some magic uh, Reichland household dishes that we don't know about, but are you that traditional or does it tradition end kind of after the turkey and stuffing? I'm pretty traditional. Let's see, stuffing, I do uh, an apple chestnut stuffing, uh, which uh, can be smoked, but uh, more likely to indirect grill or bake. By the way, I mean, you know, we do our whole, all the cooking for Thanksgiving outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cranberry sauce, you know, that's just super traditional cranberries and sugar and a little ginger and lemon zest. Although one year I made a, tra- a raw cranberry salsa that was uh, pretty oh. cool. Uh, what else? We don't do mashed potatoes in my family. We do do uh, sweet potato or sweet potato casserole, roasted sweet potatoes with uh, marshmallows. Got to have sure. marshmallows, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Time of year. Yeah. Pumpkin pie, uh, eggnog to get started. Uh, yeah. Oyster stuffing sometimes. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, you know, I'm pretty boring. No, I think <laughs> sounds that sounds good really good. Yeah. <laughs> what time's dinner? I mean, yeah, I can, really. I can be there. I can get the five thirty flight and be in Miami by two. So yeah, you know, there, there yeah, you go. That's yeah. very good. What would you recommend to people? And we get a lot of first time listeners and especially on the podcast version so they can, you know, fast forward it, bring it back and all that stuff. When they're doing a turkey, I know the first time anybody does a turkey, and even though they they may have a world of cooking experience and and various styles and techniques, that's kind of ominous. That's a that's a big bird. That's a mm. that's got, you know, big bones and a big cavity and and all that Kind of walk us through what you recommend for that. Well, first of all, uh, I, I think the perfect size for a turkey is uh, between 10 and 12 pounds. So I'm not one of those, you know, monster 25 pound birds. And if I need enough turkey to feed that many people, I'm more likely to do two birds rather than one giant bird. Mm-hmm. I just think it's easier to smoke control the cooking. Second thing I would recommend is brining it for 24 hours. Um one advantage of brining is that the breasts will never be dry and it'll always be super flavorful. Uh, 
I find a big green egg works really nicely for uh, really nicely for cooking a turkey because that felt you know that felt seal keeps it nice and moist. Um, sometimes, some years, what I'll do is I'll I'll kind of put my hand in through the neck and under the skin, and I'll loosen the skin from the flesh, and then I'll uh, put butter or sliced truffles or fresh herbs under the skin, and that butter just kind of melts in and gives you extra moistness. Sometimes I'll inject, or I'll make a simple injector sauce with uh, a little bourbon and melted butter and lemon juice. That's always a good good way to go. Um, I tend to cook my turkeys at uh, about 325 or 350, because for me, the best part of a turkey is the skin. And if you do a true low and slow bird, you know, your skin comes out kind of leathery and not crisp. I'm a, I'll confess, that's one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part too, because when, when we're carving the bird and the skin kind of peels off like that, and you'll see some of it on the edge of the cutting board or whatever, I'll just come by and eat it you bet. Uh, when nobody's looking. It's kind of like cooking a hog, you know, you got to have a pair of pliers in your back pocket for the crackling or you, you're obviously a rookie if you don't have that, I think. Yeah. So you said you make traditional pumpkin pie. Now, heaven forbid, is it out of a can, Stephen, or do you go grab a pumpkin <laughs> and actually bake the whole thing and get the meat out of it? Well, I have done both. Uh, I think probably this year we're gonna we're gonna use organic canned pumpkin, but uh, we do have one little twist on that, uh, which is I cook the uh, I indirect grill the pumpkin pie, turning my uh, grill into a smoker, as it were, and I do smoke it. And I mm -hmm. find that little patina of smoke takes something commonplace and just makes it otherworldly. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of smoke. And I really emphasize this in Project Smoke. It's that, I, you know, smoke is like the umami of barbecue. And, you know, you can just by adding a blast of smoke to things you never dream of smoking. I mean, like a cheesecake, for example, or pumpkin pie, or even butter. I mean, you smoke butter, you know, it's just it's absolutely extraordinary. Wow. I've never tried to smoke butter honestly well the way the easiest way to do it is uh to to use a handheld smoker like one of those smoking guns mm -hmm. uh, otherwise if you do it in a smoker you have to do uh, either cold smoke or set the butter on a pan of uh, ice yeah and so you know to keep it cold during smoking mm -hmm. hmm, i'll give that a try that should be fun what's your greatest uh well let me rephrase that what puts the biggest smile on your face when people sit down to eat at the Reichland table? Uh, well, I guess uh, when they ask for seconds <laughs> and uh, then when they ask for thirds, that really, uh, that really makes me laugh. No, you know, it's, uh, I mean, if people, if my food uh, helps people have an enjoyable meal and talk and socialize, that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And family. And family. And family's always good. Family's always good. I know um, Leanne makes some s special things. In fact, she was telling a little, telling us a little bit ago about uh, some of the pies and things she makes. Do you ever go beyond the pumpkin pie and make a pecan pie or tarts or anything? I think the um, furthest the field will go is a pumpkin cheesecake. Sometimes we'll do that. Okay. All right. I will tell you really quick before we go to break. A year ago, I was doing cheesecake on a pre-thanksgiving show and i had so i was doing two different shows i think i had like six cheesecakes here okay 
one of my, one of my friends came by and was going to take me to lunch. So he was watching us wrap up the shoot. And I said, okay, we'll go, but I need to stick this in the refrigerator. And I turned around, took two steps and the thing magically flew out of my hands and hit the kitchen floor. And I had cheesecake everywhere like that. So we didn't, we didn't go to where we were going to eat lunch. We went to kind of a faster process because it took like 45 minutes to clean up the floor. Like uh, nobody wanted to hear that, but it's a true story. Um. So there's a very famous chef in Modena, Italy. He owns yeah. a uh, a three-star restaurant. His name is Massimo Butera. And he has a dish uh, on the menu. It's a dessert. And it's called uh, the lemon meringue pie that fell out of my hands. And it's basically <laughs> a deconstructed lemon meringue pie. It's what would look like if a lemon meringue pie fell upside fell down and smashed That's on awesome. the floor. But of course, it's... Uh, put on the plate with tweezers and, uh, <laughs> and maybe Massimo and I should get together on this deal yeah, really. and figure out what that is. We're going to uh, take another break, uh, which we have to go to the network stuff. And then we'll be back with Stephen Reichland and Leanne Whippen on barbecue nation right after this, please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Uh, welcome back to the show. I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen and Stephen Reichland today. Stephen's going to stick around for a little bit for After Hours. That's coming up. And this whole month uh, of November, we're talking about Thanksgivings. And that's not the only thing we're talking about, but uh, it's interesting to find out what our guests do for Thanksgiving. But Stephen also has another project that we touched on earlier in the show. And I know he wants to talk about that a little bit. Well, it's been very interesting for me because, you know, as I think about my career, I mean, first I told people how I make barbecue in my books and then I showed them on my TV shows. And then I came out with a line of spices and barbecue sauces so you could sort of season your meat the way I do. Uh, but the one thing that's been missing is I never have actually had an opportunity for people to taste my food the way it would be if you came to my house. So uh, about two years ago, we started a company called Planet Barbecue. Uh, I run it with uh, two partners. One is my uh, stepson, Jake. The other is the former food and beverage manager at the Broadmoor, where I had my barbecue university for many years. Sure. And we have come out with, uh, you know, classics of barbecue. I mean, we have a Texas style uh, brisket. We have Kansas City style ribs. Uh, Being Planet Barbecue, there's also an international twist. We have Thai style chicken wings. We have barbecue chicken wings, um, uh, pastrami, uh, and our food is all cooked uh, in a real smokehouse with real hardwood. And what you find when you kind of delve into the food manufacturing business is that most places are either spraying a smoke flavor on or they're injecting with uh, liquid smoke. But there are actually very few places that really burn hardwood to cook smoke. So if anybody's interested in trying it, we sell through a company called Crowd Cow, which is a an online uh, premium meat purveyor. 
But if you go to planetbarbecue.com, you can read all about it, see what we're doing. Uh, it's been very interesting for me. It's a learning curve for me. I, you know, Lord knows I know how to write a book and make a TV show at this point, but how to manufacture food, that is really complicated. I, I So on this food, is it fresh uh, shipped or is it frozen shipped? It's shipped frozen. It's shipped frozen. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. So I did a, um, a project called Frozen Foos Foodies in Chicago and it was chef inspired and I did the barbecue line. And I know what you're saying to try to make the frozen product taste just like it came out of the smoker or off your table is a feat in itself. It's a um, what challenge. what did you find was the most successful technique in order to, to accomplish that? Well, it depends on the particular meat. We actually use four different uh, co-packers now. Uh, so uh, we have a smokehouse in Chicago that does our brisket and ribs. Uh, we've got a, uh, a processor in Denver that does our sausages, and that's a lighter smoke than we do on our uh, brisket and ribs. Um, we've got a, uh, a beef company in Wyoming that does our 28-day aged burgers. Mm. Uh, and then we, uh, we also we have smoked baked beans. We have grilled cream corn. So that's from yet another facility. So mm. probably there was a much easier way to go about doing all this. And I just haven't mm. figured it out yet. And mm. maybe Leanne, you can uh, <laughs> uh, give, me, give me some point. Some one pointers place, but yeah. yeah, it's hard to get, because you're working with the best of the best for each item. And it's hard yeah. to get that in one facility or one it is. plant. So. And then now, you know, uh, since COVID, I mean, the supply chain is just mm. it's so, you, you yeah. know, you you plan briskets at one price, and then by the time they actually come in and smoke, they're two bucks more a pound. Mm -hmm. um, you size ribs a certain size, and then you're told when you go to to do the smoke run, oh well, that size isn't available anymore. And, you know, be thankful that you can only get really big ones or really small ones because that's all there is. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that has been a challenge. I, I I feel like it's easing a little bit. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um. If you were going to give somebody advice, Stephen, for going into the holidays, we've got, of course, turkey is traditional Thanksgiving. Some people do ham. I knew some growing up, I knew people that did lasagna, what have you. But what does Stephen Reichland say is your most important one or two things to keep in your mind when you're preparing a dinner the size of a Thanksgiving meal? Well, first of all, I think do as much as you can ahead of time because you want to be able to enjoy your guests and enjoy the experience. Um, that means, you know, your well, first of all, your turkey, you're going to rest your turkey uh, half an hour to an hour before carving it. So that's really your most time sensitive issue. Stuffing can be made ahead of time. Cranberry sauce can be made ahead of time. Uh, what else? Sweet potatoes, you know, they're cooked before they get the marshmallows on top. So uh, yeah. I can't believe we're talking about, you know, even Reichland Planet Barbecue is talking about marshmallows, but Aye. hey, you know, tradition, you know, tradition. just like Zero, just like Zero Mostel sang in uh, Fiddler on the Roof, tradition. Yeah. Tradition, yeah. Um, you know, I, I cook because I enjoy cooking and it relaxes me. I think of it as being very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you do a lot of cooking and when you cook for your guests, they probably have set the bar at the expectation level so high. Do, does that put pressure on you when you're cooking or you just keep, do, you just keep doing your thing and it is what it is. I do my thing and it is what it is. That's I'm cool. not, you know, I'm not, 
trying to uh, win any content competitions. I'll leave that to you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I make, you know, I, I make what I look like. And uh, it's funny in my family, uh, there is a Ritz cracker stuffing that somehow uh, my wife's family, I think it's the most god awful thing you've ever tasted. But um, <laughs> but anyway, it always turns up at the table because it just wouldn't be Thanksgiving without it. So yeah, uh, Stephen, how can people find out? Uh, you know about your books? I uh, here's where you give the web website pitch again. So I'll just put it that way to you. Sure. Okay. Well, my you know all things Stephen Reichlin are at barbecuebible.com and that's b a r b e c u e b i b l e dot com. Uh, and, uh, if you've never been to the site before, sign up for my, uh, up and smoke newsletter. It's absolutely free. It tells you what's going on in my world. And, you know, one week might be recipes. One week might be a restaurant review. One might be, one week might be a equipment review, but there's always something I like to think there's always something interesting, interesting mm -hmm. on it. Excellent. And Excellent. there is a tab for the planet barbecue, uh, line of foods, or you can just go to planet barbecue for that. You want to know about my TV shows? Uh, that's just simply stephenreichlin.com. That's R-A-I-C-H-L-E-N. Very good, Stephen. And then, thank uh, you. yeah, just one last question, Stephen. So you're going to be uh, taping in January for your new episodes. Do you know when they might air? Do you have an approximate month or channel? Or yeah, yeah, we're looking to uh, we're looking to launch on uh, Memorial Day. Oh, perfect. Oh, excellent. Uh, now. You know, as you know, with PBS, maybe you don't, but PBS, it's a very autonomous network. So in other words, every station, and there are 400 of them, gets to decide when, at what time, what week they start, what time of uh, day they air. So uh, there's a little button on stephenreichland.com. You can contact your local PBS station to find out what time we air. But we're going to launch for Memorial Day, just in time for uh, barbecue. Yeah, season. it's perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Perfect. Excellent. Look forward to it. Thank Stephen, you. thank you. Leanne, thank you. Uh, thank like you. I said, we're going to do after hours here shortly, but uh, thanks for listening, folks. Remember our motto here, turn it, don't burn it. And uh, we will be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.